Hello and welcome back to the Timeline Astrology Podcast with myself, Gary O'Toole. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the show Kishori. We've had Kishori on before, speaking all about her epic poem, The Song of Rahu. And we've begun this Maps of Consciousness series where we explore Rahu in each of the houses of astrology. We've been through the first, second, third, fourth and fifth, and now we're moving on to the sixth house. So the sixth house can certainly present some problems, but as we will hear, Kishori describe how we can bring those into the heart field and how we can actually create a lot of precision and balance in our lives. So without further ado, here's Kishori. Welcome, Kishori. It's been a while. I, I really appreciate you coming on again because I know that you're in the middle of a house move and settling and all of that. But I just think it's just highly appropriate to be talking about this now, Rahu in the sixth, uh, when you're dealing with all the everyday stuff. It's everyday stuff, sixth it's, house. It's completely fascinating to me. And um, I'm actually settling more than moving. I'm, I'm just observing how different it is here and how much, in the few minutes we've already talked, how much it is I'm living uh, Rahu in the sixth. It's very strange because, of course, I've not got, my pers personal chart has not got Rahu in the sixth, but I suspect it's because we are focusing on it, even unconsciously. It doesn't matter because I haven't hardly thought about it. I'm too busy to think about Mm. Well, we, we could go into that a bit if you wanted, if you wanted to share that about your chart. But like we have this, obviously, in astrology, the birth chart, which is just like a blueprint yeah. for our lives. But then we yeah. also have the ongoing transits, which impact that they sweep in and affect certain areas of our life. So in actual fact, you can say that actually Rahu is influencing this part of your life. It def definitely. Right now, by transit, I mean in astrology. Mm. Oh, right. Well, it might be fun to look at that at some point. I mean, but I mean, what is six house? Maybe I should just, again, like yeah, list out a few things as I normally do, jump in. And then I know that um, people who listen to this um, are looking forward to this because I've been getting messages from people who are like noticing <laughs> the time lag between the fifth house and the sixth and are like, when are you doing the sixth? <laughs> so it's, it's like, like people are getting... <laughs> Yeah, so they're kind of people are getting into it and, and have their own yeah, questions yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, so the thing about the sixth is moving on from the fifth. And I'll maybe just remind people about what we talked about, the fifth, about the heart and yes. creativity and expressing and what you talked about in terms of not just creating something, but giving birth to something like mm. breathing life into it. Mm. But then you have to maybe not have to. You, you, you'll give me your take. I'm, I'm sure I need to. I really need to hear your take on this, actually, because. Mm -hmm. This is the one area where you can, or the first house of the Zodiac, where you can get really bogged down, right? You, you get the thing, you, you give birth to the child, the project you're doing, you're doing whatever, and then you have to day in, day out, stick with it and work on it and improve it and do this with it. And like, if it's a baby, you're changing the nappies. If it's uh, whatever, you're working on it every day. So that's the sixth house, basically. It's the day in, day out drudgery, many people would call it. And routines that we we have to, and we want to, as we mentioned in the last uh, podcast, we want to work on for that thing we love. Yes. Basically, that's the sixth house in a nutshell. Yes, yes, yes. Now we can get into other things as well, because I mean, I don't want to skirt around the more obvious things of the sixth house that represent real problems, like 
the things we do every day that causes problems, i.e. addictions, vices, bad habits, right? That's also sixth house. So I don't want to skirt around that because we're talking about Rahu. So it is a shadow like mm-hmm. aspect that we have to address things like addictions. Well, but what I've also things, seen... I just want to say all the things that we think we don't have power over, we don't have control over, you mm. know, those, it's almost like it's a broad brush. And mm. the word that came uh, to me as I... Um, dealing with the settling in, putting things in order, mm. it's almost total chaos, and and then the pleasure of, of every tiny little thing that I put in place, I think, ah, this is going to stay now, I'm stabilizing, I'm at a place in my life where for the first time I've bought a little house, a Goldilocks house, just for me, if I can have a person to stay, but I've no assigned room for it. And it's like the pleasure of picking out something and say, stay. And that's mm-hmm. in a nutshell, it's, it's been chaos, but it's not. It's, 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 it's noticing that the chaos existed beneath the syrup what I call the syrup on shit life, you know, <laughs> it's always there. Syrup on I, shit is probably the best uh, phrase to apply to the sixth house. Let's face mm-hmm. it. Like, I mean, it is the shit we're not dealing with. It comes up, but the eighth house is more specifically the shit. <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get, we'll get there. there. But before then, um, you know, it's the kind of, yeah, the kind of drudgery, like that everyday stuff that we have to do. But the other thing about, like I said, about addictions and vices and all of that, and mm. um, things that we probably, you know, could do without, let's face it. Um, uh-huh. Rahu in the uh-huh. sixth. Uh-huh. 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 Say again. I said, ha ha, we could do without. We can't do without any of it. <laughs> we, we'd sit there in our Euroboric state, believing all was tickety-boo, but it's, it's not. It's the past imagining to be resolved. Mm. So we can't do without the shadow. We can't do without the shit. We can't. The shit is what? It's the grit in the oyster. Now, what are we mm. doing with our life? Are we wanting just to be comfortable? Or are we going, oh, yeah, all right. I'm willing to be disrupted. Because in the, under the disruption or next after the disruption, there's a new order emerges. It might seem more challenging than before because we had it, we were in a smaller, uh, I don't know, I had a bigger, a bigger amount of house for, for, for chaos and it wasn't showing up so much. Come into a little tiny house and condense myself and wow, I've got what I call a, uh, um, my utility cupboard. It's a magic cupboard. There's not much storage in this house. So I've had to work a jigsaw with a nail here and a hook there and this, and it's all in one tiny cupboard. All my chaos now in order, you know, the washing then and this and that. And it's fascinating to see how it's playing out in material form. So there you go. That, but that is exactly it. That is, you know, when you say about putting, placing something and putting it there and allowing it to settle, you mm. know, and that for me feels like it's a really good way of, you know, we just talked about before we came on this book, I'm reading about habits. Mm. There's so many of those books out at the moment because people want to obviously develop good habits, but this uh, atomic habits, it's called uh, James Clear. And 
you know, it's a very simple idea, but this idea that it just, it's all those tiny little things that we do every day. And he says about doing something for just two minutes. That's it. Even if you want to do it for longer, just do it for two minutes. Mm-hmm. It's the, um, it's that act of precision, isn't it? That pinpointing this and this only. And when, I, I, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a, a dream, I suppose, but the idea of being able to be so transparent and so clear and so ordered that you could respond to what I talk about as the keala, the, the impulse of the moment. Now, if we responded to every single impulse, like you imagine a, a butterfly might do, you know, this crooked path, we'd end up in a worse state because we're not clear enough to respond to every little impulse. We have to go through that layer of mind that says, I don't think I ought to jump off the house roof and, and fly yet because I haven't yet downloaded the ability to fly because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm too much hanging on, too much ballast. <laughs> but but it, it's like that, the precision, as the I Ching calls it, the taming power of the small, the precise thing, you know? Mm. It's, so you, you, you can't be completely in responding without some kind of level of mind in 3D land, because we, we, we can't. We still, have to, we still have to check that, you know, that there's, a, there's, there's, there's something beneath your foot as you walk. Right. But the thing, what strikes me about the sixth house more than anything, and having, you know, uh, looked at people who have that in their birth chart, for example, and, and in myself as well, because... Um, we all have it, you know, this is the thing we're going to, or if we don't have it now, we're going to have it at some point um, is when they, cause you like this precision and, and just, you know, putting our feet firmly on the ground and doing whatever it is we're doing, mm-hmm. but with Rahu, it's tendency to exaggerate and increase or seem to, and perhaps even obsess about those little things, those little tiny little details. It's like everything piles up and it's all a big problem now. Whereas Actually, there are only very small problems that all pile up into it. lots of problems, then creates an issue. For example, like you in your new house. Mm. No, I mean, I'm sure that you probably could think sometimes, oh, I just want to walk away from this and come back when it's all done. But it's like, at the other side of it, it's like you could also get very bogged down in all those little things, which are just little, little things. This house is for me to actually do it, to bring it into form. I lived a lot of my life a bit out of my body. You know, I mean, not much, but and here it's not come back when it's already done. It's somehow finding the way to enjoy pleasure of 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 the doing of the action that comes from the desire, you know, finessing it so that you can do it without any sense of effort. It has to become effortless. In fact, our life has to become effortless. We have to learn to intend it. Mm. Intend it and allow. You don't like pointing your hands when you're doing breaststroke swimming. You just point and then let the body follow rather mm. than struggle. And it's it's the game of life. Refining, I'm refining myself, the way the way that I engage with everything, the way I'm learning to to walk differently and oh all of it. And I see it's so intensified, it's condensed. And that's what I think about um, when you spoke about the uh, beginning, Rahu in the sixth. It's a condensation of things that have been 
so spread out that you might not have noticed them. You know, if you've got a lot of junk, if it's about 10 cupboards and you get, get it all in one, then you go, oh my goodness, you know. Mm. It, it's, it's the living through it now, the willing to embody the fact that we are a bit jumbled up, but that it's, if you don't see it, like if you don't see the dirt on the windows, you can't clean them, hmm. you know? Same, with my, that's what I feel in my life, right this now, is, anyway. <laughs> this is fascinating because it's like, it's really tying in with what I, I see in the chart in terms of like Rahu in the sixth, being this seesawing back and forth between like oh, avoiding issues yes, and then obsessing about problems. Whereas yes. you're speaking about being in it, dealing with it, but not like, you know, getting bogged down in it either. Like a, it's like playing for me. I go back to the house because this is where I'm playing out on this little house. It, it's like a, it's like a doll's house. You know, you're getting it so precise that you can enjoy the detail of the tininess mm. rather than the, oh my God, I wish I got an extra bedroom. You go, oh no, let's make it. I don't know, dinky, <laughs> you know what I mean, toy, toy town. Mm. And the whole, the whole of this town feels in, energetically, you remember you said that it looked clearer mm. than the other house, the, the energy. Mm. It's like living in toy town, like Mr. Bun the Baker and Miss, Miss you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just like that here. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's that makes so much sense because it's also like we are, it's like you say, like it is a bit like playing games. Yes. This is about, let's put this here and do this, and this person yes, comes to yes, fix this yes, and do yes, this. Yes, yes. But let, let's 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 not beat about the bush though. Let's talk about maybe the darker, quote unquote, darker side of Rahu in the <laughs> six and yes. things like addiction and and so yes. on. And you know, I mean it can get very dark, let's face it. Um, I remember one person who um had Rahu in the sixth in her chart and she her eyes would light up when you would talk about illness. <laughs> you know, it's like that was her thing. This is the other side of it, mm. that people can get obsessed about problems as well mm -hmm. and illnesses and, oh, this person has this condition. She was always very obsessed about or interested, shall we say, in mm. unusual diseases. <laughs> you can think about that kind of way. So mm. it's like that was her thing. My, my sense is that let's talk about health and disease and it's like turning up the dimmer switch. Like I said on the chaos, you're turning up the dimmer switch. So you have to be very careful when you come to these inten apparent intensifications in life. And you have to take it to the place where they don't exist, the heart frequency. Mm -hmm. Not just the heart, but the heart frequency. And you have to take it and see through the eyes of the heart. And, and, and so that you can experience Rahu being an enormous gift because once this is dealt with, there is a way of it's becoming really solidly secure in your life, steady, a real foundation. Because if you can, if you can handle the intensity of a, of a real heavy addiction through the heart frequency in Rahu and just trust into it enough to stop the struggling and the fighting and et cetera. So whether it's, I don't know, drugs or chocolate biscuits or whatever it might be, it, it's like, stop the judgment, take it to the heart, 
I gave all my, my students uh, last week um, a beautiful filigree golden blanket and any considered or experienced problem, state, relationship, whatever, to put it in the middle and wrap it all in the filigree gold and put it in the heart. And without exception, those who are playing with it, it's fantastic. Why didn't you give us this before? This is great. <laughs> it didn't occur to me to say it before that. I mean, I've got huge, huge treasure chest of things to give. But if it doesn't come into my awareness, like everything exists in quantum, we all know it all anyway. But if it doesn't come up in for consideration, you don't think of the shortcut. But having said that, anything at all that really bothers you, if you stop letting it bother you and say, oh, well, so that, so, that. so I eat 10 packets of chocolate biscuits or something far darker, though chocolate biscuits can be pretty addictive, I suppose, is <laughs> not make the judgment, but to take it to the heart, change, your 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 um, whatever you're doing, change the frequency, go for a walk, go for a movie, have a have a whatever you can think of to change that frequency. And before you do that, just simply without anything, just wrap it up, put it in the heart frequency, and you will find that that when you go back, there's been some change, however minuscule. Then you honor the tiniest little shift. So maybe you only have one packet instead of 10. Okay, but you're still eating them. So fine. The minutest little shift is what you have to feel uh, content with or, or, or grateful for, or go, yeah, yeah, that's the way, that way, that's the way. And so that, that little bit of, of, of detachment from the situation, that little bit of gratitude, that little creates that flow as you know, I've said this before, there's, there are two ways, it seems. There's the energy outflow and there's the desire to, or the, the, the sucking in, the place of, of apparent lack and the place of expression from the abundant state uh, that, that, that is our natural state. And But only one is real. The lack state is not real. It's an experience, but it's not a reality. And as we were saying, I think in the fifth house, it's all expression. So even the way that you calmly engage with the fact that you're, a, I don't know, addicted to getting speeding tickets at 100 miles an hour or whatever it might be, you know, if, if you take away that judgment or that it should not be and go, oh, that's interesting, just enough to make a little detachment Take it to the heart frequency. That means just gather it up so it's contained. A filigree blanket or a golden box, put it in the heart. When you come back to it, you'll find there's been a shift. You honor the tiniest shift. This is, this is the way we were talking about um, routines. We'll come back to it in a minute. It's the same thing with everything. Honor this, the baby steps. This makes a lot of sense to me. And also, I think it's really important because oftentimes I imagine and certainly for myself too, when I have a problem, it either has to be like, get rid of the problem completely, like now, or, you know, I'm not happy or whatever it is. So like, what you're saying there makes so much sense because like with the atomic habits, like just a two minute, mm. making two minute habits every day, mm. it's better to, like you say, just 
notice a small shift. All it takes is just a small shift and then another small shift and another and another and, you know, and you're on feel your way. happy, the feeling, feel content that that little shift is pointing you in the direction, you know? So, so, so you feeling the gratitude or the thankfulness for that particular little shift is, is, is like that ratchet on the Himalayan railway when you go up and you can't slip back because energy flows out. Energy doesn't suck in. Although it seems to, there is no lack. Mm-mm. We have experiences of things like lack, mm. like addiction, but they aren't real. They are, they are koans that you, the being, are set up for your entertainment, for your growth, for your, for your pleasure, for your play with your doll's house. I mean, jigsaws. Why on earth do we do jigsaws? You've got a beautiful... <laughs> somebody smashes it into a thousand pieces, and then you have the pleasure of putting it all together again. That's what we do. We put our life into little fragments, you know, with the Big Bang, and that Big Bang can be replicated every, in everybody's life, everybody's life, and, and you end up with a few little pieces and you can see them in your birth chart, and you go, all right, how am I going to, how am I going to do this jigsaw? How am I going to play this game of cards? And it's, when you can take it as lightly as that, then, then things become much, much more uh, manageable. They, they, they resolve themselves. But, but if you are struggling and go, oh my God, I did that again and again, and I'm still doing it, and I'm still, you know, overdosing on this or that or the other, still addicted. Remember the old, the old um, story about can I, can I smoke when I'm meditating? Can I smoke when I'm meditating? Yes, or can I can I meditate while I'm smoking? I mean, let's say you you want to give up smoking, right, 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 and you're not managing because you're totally addicted. Well, I, mean, I can I can talk about that because I, I I actually used to smoke, and what happened for me was hmm. I tried for many years to to give up, and that didn't work. But when I stopped trying. And I just, my energies just shifted somewhere else and I was just focusing on other things and it sort of dropped away. And it was through meditation that it dropped away. Okay, so the thing is, you want something to change in your life and you're doing, you're working very hard going, I don't know, 10 hours a week to the gym or whatever it is you're doing Mm. and you're putting effort into it. Any effort will cause it to persist, anything. So if you say, I want this to happen, I really know that this new state or new situation would more fully express what I want to to create in my my, uh, work of art, my life. Mm. So this is my choice. You write it in your magic book or you you go into meditation, you see it happening or whatever it is, some way of recording, like you said, tell people, tell your friends that's what you're going to do or you are doing. It's picking the state writing it down or speaking it or declaring it to someone mm-hmm. and then letting it go. The old, the old idea of, you remember, we used to write little messages on a balloon and let it go into the sky mm. or you write something on a bit of paper and you burn it. That symbolic letting go is what we have to do with Mr. Frosty Breath, the mind that gets us into such a tangle. It's your mind that judges 
this should not be. I should have sorted this by now at my age or uh, my state. Or, mm -hmm. you know. But if you write down, you choose the state that you want, whether it's health, relationship, um, 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 entertainment, um, money, anything, you choose the state. Don't do a very long one, but do a little 30 second mini movie in your mind, write it down, let it go. Now and again, you can have a look and you'll find that it will change on its own. When you let it go into the heart field where all, uh, no problems exist. They just don't exist. It's not that they are resolved. They never existed in the first place. I get a, a strong sense of that, but I, I don't know if I was consciously doing that um, in my life. I mean, I wasn't conscious it was happening. I was doing it, but I am very regimented as a person. And so I'm, I'm the type of person who has lists and I have like my diary, my Google calendar and all of that. And if it's not put in a diary or it's not on a list, I'm not going to do it basically. But then, like you say, I do have also on the other side, this sense of letting it go as well, because I, once I put it in a list, I know that it's done. On some it's level. Mind, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And it will. The the um your um what I call my something's called the inner file manager. <laughs> it's not me, it just gets on and does it. Once I've given my order, my command as empress of my life, <laughs> it will happen. Mm. Mm. And if I've got too much emotion invested in it, or too much struggle, then it just takes longer. So, so the thing to do, if you want to do anything, is to imagine yourself your, in your new state, relaxed, totally trusting that, that once you've given your order in your empire, your life, that that will happen. When you have it in a relaxed way, with a feeling, you imagine yourself in that state and then let that go. And that state will automatically birth itself. Mm. So your new state is not someone that's uh, totally regimented, but someone that is easy with that. And, and it's useful to you. Because so far at the state, let's talk about you talking about your, your regimentation. At this stage in your play, your life, your game, mm. it's serving you. Mm. There may come a time in the future when you're so cool and integrated and chilled out and they, that all you have to do is give a thought to it. Not even bother to write it down because mm -hmm. you're so in the moment, like, like, a, like a, a great yogi might, uh, like I said before, give someone the perfume from his hand and all of a sudden <clears throat> he wants jasmine perfume. And then he says, there you are, opens his hand and there's the jasmine perfume. He's so in tune with everything. Or like, um, what was it, Neem Karoli Baba? When, was, was it him or? or Nichananda walked into a, um, a jungle with a, a swamp. Somebody asked him for some money to pay some debt. And he just walks in and with all the alligators and whatever, and he, he picks out a bag of gold. Now, did he imagine that there? Did he know it was there? You know, it doesn't make any difference. He's so in alignment with mm, the, the, the environment that he's radiating that he knows exactly where everything is. And we can become like that ultimately to, to have integrated the whole, the whole of your creation, the whole of your life. That is so important a uh, point because sixth house obviously is also death, death. Yes, death the same, it's a state. It's mm. all of it to say. So let's see, you, ha you have a debt 
or you're having a you have you have created that experience not consciously obviously but somewhere there is an assignment for this koan if you are someone who is is awakening and is consciously living you you want to eliminate the debt because debt is something you feel you can't you haven't got much control over or not enough control or but what do you want the answer is i want simplicity order liberation freedom whatever it is order i want to be uh, i want to be in charge of my life that when i give the word when i say so it is as i see it so i choose it to be and the debt is gone in some magical way because it's about us waking up to see that we do have we are innately the power of our life we are the power we are the shakti we are, we're not just a little bit part actor leaf in the wind we do have not downloaded or uploaded whichever one you want to say uh, fully the ability like 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 i'm playing with my life like you you know innately all of these things i'm saying because you recognize them mm. not new to you you're not learning anything you're just mm -hmm. oh yeah you're reiterating something that you already know i know you know but it's also really helpful to hear you speak of something that I know that I don't know that I know. That's what? right, because, <laughs> because it's the mind. You know, I, years and years ago, it was uh, I, 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 uh, I was told from within, you know, the mind is also a child of the heart and the mind deserves to know the mind. It's not just about sit down, keep quiet and obey me or follow your guru or, you know, just trust. No. You have you you've got to make those links ultimately that the mind and the heart are two expressions. They are all expressions, and they need integrating. Not that I've got a mind over here that's quite brilliant. I could use now and again, and yet I'm completely discombobulated somewhere else because I just haven't got it all joined up. We're joining up the pieces, and everyone is playing that game. Mm. Even great masters. I remember looking at a seeing a master sitting on a golden throne in a, some particular place in India and um, <clears throat> thinking, he's an archetype. An archetype is great, knows it all, but hasn't lived it through. Like the story of the, of the, the, the yogi that had meditated for, I don't know, 50 years in a cave in the Himalaya. And he wakes up one day and he goes, oh, I'm liberated, I'm free. He runs down the hill to the well and there's a beautiful young girl, she's actually a prostitute, at the well, and he's going, <laughs> and he runs after her because he hasn't lived it out. Oh, this is such an important point. I really need to hold on this because when I first started or before I began my Rahu cycle, mm. I was being told things like, you know, what, what it's like. It can create these extremes and, you know, addictions and obsessions and all of these kinds of things. So... The reason why I'm so regimented is, in fact, because I'm trying to stay on top of it, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> so it's like, because it, it, it seems to me that when I let things go, life seems quite chaotic in this Rahu cycle in my life, right? And I've seen that over and over again with people I read charts for. So it's not just me, right? But almost like I'm overdoing that kind of wanting to kind of keep everything in check and not letting it go crazy. Um with Rahu and addictions or anything, or the story you just told about, you know, like um, coming down from the meditation and seeing 
uh, you know, a, a woman and like, you know, overcome and, you know, he hadn't really fully gone there. Mm. Right. That for me just struck a chord because I have always had this sense coming into this Rahu cycle in my life that if I don't quote unquote go there, I, I, I am not really going to fully satisfy that. In fact, I'm never going to satisfy it fully anyway. So I've almost gone the opposite extreme. I've almost like whatever impulse comes up, go for it, but do it mindfully. Mm. Right. So, cause go, go for it, do it fully. Like before you, maybe not to the point where like, it's like it's labeled an addiction, but like mindfully go into this thing and fully experience it to the point where you're done. Like you are really done with it. Absolutely. Perfect. That's, That's exactly it. right. If you live it to the full, you only need to experience something once. So you say addiction is because you haven't got the pleasure out of what it is that you want. And then you keep on and on and on and on and on. Right, because this, this book I was telling you about, the Dopamine Nation book, mm. which is basically her point is, the psychiatrist's point is that pleasure and pain are basically so intertwined in the brain that when you have so much pleasure, there's a balance that's tipped and then pain has to kick in to bring it back into balance. This is like a self-organizing system, right? So it's like, I know what you're saying about saying you fully experience it and it's done, but it's never done. <laughs> that's the thing. It's never ever done. Nothing's ever done. The game is never over because mm. we're playing it for the sake of the game. Mm. You know, there's always another level. We're in the mega multi-space invaders to infinity mm. and how, how nothing can ever die and it can never be finished and we can never destroy ourselves because what we are is is indestructible it's Maybe. it's it's never done or when it's done you're dead uh, well, <laughs> well you when it's done you're not here anymore right okay. so when we're living in this human experience because I, I remember saying this to someone before and I didn't even know where this came from because I had such a sense of actually life is full of just you have to do this pay the bills do this and that and I just said to this person who was like oh I just can't handle all of these issues right now and, and I was like well when it's done you're dead and she got that though she got and maybe she needed to hear it right then and this yes when you're no longer dancing you have to keep dancing until until you stop and then, and then you dance on some other planes, some other levels, some other, you know, that's not within time. It's timeless. This is one frequency that we experience here in the body. When the body's done, you're not done. But what about, well, just let's just talk about it in, in terms of like on a practical level. What about someone who has not been able to overcome their addiction to whatever substance or thing, whatever it is, and they die from that? Well, would, you, would you say in that case, well, in that case, you know, it's done? That, that is a very um, interesting phenomenon because um, I don't see anybody dies because there's only one person and we are all uh, frequencies or expressions of that one. So if a particular frequency, they all, these states, these frequencies all exist, and the little bit of consciousness that I am, that you are, you go and explore all these states. You know, you have to play every part, as Shakespeare says, one man in his time plays many parts, but they are infinite frequencies. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like we are the being that is totally, totally addicted, if you like, to coming back and having another go. Well, can I experience it this way? And how can I experience it that way? Because the sun shines on 
everyone, everything, every single state. It doesn't matter in consciousness. If it matters to you, you, your innate embodied, then yes, you have to find the way. You do, and you will ultimately find the way because what you are is so much more than this. I mean, we're going to, we, we'll go into endless, um, well, we can keep forever talking about Advaita Vedanta and the non-dual state, but, but if you have a desire, the way to play this game is to surf the heart frequency, is to bring everything to that state. That's what I've said all along. Whatever, whatever house we're in, the Rahu, it's simply um, this state now, it's simply a condensation for us to be able to see it more clearly, to make our choice. It's almost like someone is saying, this, this, little, this little mess is coming up to be seen now more intensely. It's going to irritate you even more until you do something rather than paint it over with a layer of syrup. You're going to look at it and go, oh, do you want it? So the, what I call the inner file manager <clears throat> brings it up and you can go yes or no. And it is as simple as that. But only when you're in neutral, when, when you're in that state of what I call sunny inner weather, nice English spring day, you know, <laughs> not too hot, not too cold, in balance. We have to learn to live in that balance so that, so that you're not pulling it one way or the other, pushing or pulling. And, then, and Rahu in the Song of Rahu says it that very clearly, no amount of avoiding, conniving, squirming, skiving, pushing it away, pulling it to you. No, you have to take, make the choice. What state do I want? What do I ultimately want to experience? And if what you want is to get through it more quickly or resolve, because it really, really is, that hair shirt is, is really bothering you, you have to take it to the heart, choose the state that you want to experience, feel it real, and then let it happen because it will. It's like, you know, that what I said, pointing your hands towards the direction you want to go, swimming breaststroke, and let your body follow. You let it happen. You can't push and pull at things when there is this, especially when there is this deep um, emotional instability, longing, as we say in Rao, there's some avoiding or, 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 or conniving, squirming, skiving, delaying, hiding, guiltily lying. You either tip to cover it up or bring it towards you by resisting a calm, quiet space, like go for a walk in nature, put your feet up, do something different, and then take it to the heart. And even if the mind says, oh, what use is that going to be? Just put your hand on your heart, that's no use but it takes a little practice to just always go to the place where it can be resolved. Like that lady in the, who lost her needle, you know, and she was looking for it in the street under the lamp. And the neighbors come around, come and tell us exactly where you lost it, old lady. She says, oh, didn't lose it out here, lost it in the house. And they go, duh, it's dark in there. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> but you see what I mean? So, so they, if you make your ultimate objective or the immediate objective, being able to be calm and, and witness what's going on and know that you are causing it. I had a day here 
and every single thing went wrong. Every workman changes schedule and this and that and the other. And then some friend, or oh, not friend, acquaintance said, oh, I'm going to ask people to help you. And I said, no help. Try and give me some help in this state and we'll cause more chaos. The only person who can make this calm is me to go to sleep, have a rest, make it, make my frequency that I'm transmitting is peace, calm, and everybody else around me gets into order. That is the same, it's not just me. I, I know that, I practiced it. But I tell you, anybody that's listening, if it's chaos around you, get quiet, do something else, do something you like, and start to radiate every little piezoelectric spark from every cell in your body, sending peace, calm, order, abundance, freedom. As I talk about the, the, the yogic flowers, your life comes from you. You get to the state where you're not transmitting tension, disorder, chaos, exhaustion. And, and, and then the rest will calm down. You know this, Mr. Gary O'Toole, you know this so well. I do, but it's just you great, great. To... All the time, because I know that you know it all, you see. Yes, but I, it's not articulated this way to me. Um, no, well, often, if ever. Yeah, so you, people don't articulate this. I mean, yeah. that's, but that's exactly, you, you know, the thing and the image I have now in my mind is of a swimmer, you know, and that kind of, yeah. you know, yes, pushing through right. gliding and then pushing through and gliding. And this kind of, and even in astrology, that would relate to the signs Virgo and Pisces, because Virgo is the natural sixth sign of the zodiac. You know, it's all about order and precision yeah, and improvement. And yes. Pisces is the ocean and it's the letting go and to the, into the mystery yes. of it all, you know? Yes. One other thing I want to bring up with Sixth House, which is, um, I'm sure people listening to this, if I didn't bring it up, they'd be a bit uh, miffed, um, is enemies. Yes. So enemies come under uh -huh. the Sixth House. And of course, there are no enemies. There is all our, our, our own inner demons, as my teacher Pearl Finn uh, used to say. Um, there are our own inner demons that obviously get projected out there, and they are now our enemies. But of course, Rahu in the Sixth can show major issues there of projection and it's like it's that person's fault it's this person they didn't show up on time and this didn't happen or whatever or they said this to me and you know what, what do you what do you think about rahu and in terms of this projection and the enemies i know what you talk about rahu being the the radical withdrawal of projection what would you say about it in the six would that be even more important than anywhere yes you might find them uh, yourself being even more irritated or more arguments, um, but they're not real, remember? It's, it's an experience you're creating for yourself. So the, the, the process of communicating at the heart or communion at the heart, it's a very simple little exercise. I think there might be a video of it on, uh, on, uh, on Magic Makeover page. I don't know, I'll have a look, remind me. But <clears throat> so you sit yourself down in a, in a, in a imaginary room and you put yourself here and your enemy on a chair opposite you or wherever you want to be. And then you say exactly what you feel. You can even get up and kill them if you want to, it doesn't matter. And then you swap and be the enemy speaking back to you. You do that two or three times, a little gestalt conversation or in, in exchange. And then you drop into your own heart. You find your little ET finger, your little star of light that's brilliant, always going sparking all the time and connect to that star in the heart of the one opposite. It's a lovely little game to play because it always works. 
and then the heart starts merge. And then you can experience so many things, but what you will experience is the, the, the enemy, uh, the enemy opposite you is the other side of the coin. It's something that you have got to realize and integrate that you've set up for yourself. If you see your enemies as your biggest, biggest opportunity for awakening, you know this bit, those words of Christ, love those who persecute you, love your enemies. It's mm. not so that you can be a good person. You don't love your enemies to be good or mm. to be you know, a saint or something because, because it benefits you. It benefits the embodiment, the person that you are, if you will play that game of seeing what it is in you, and it's not difficult to do with a very little practice. I have only sketched that out, but I'll have a look. There might be a little video somewhere that I can mm. find, but we'll, we'll talk about it. But it so, makes sense. It makes perfect sense to do because that. Because the enemy is your biggest gift. It's for you to bring up the shadow of what you're not seeing, the bit that you're blind and your enemy will reveal that to you. And when you go, oh, yeah, and all you need to do is to notice it, because once it comes into consciousness, once it's come out of the, of the, of the blind spot, the, the, the game's over as far as that concern is concerned. It's just over. So if you, if you fall out with somebody, somebody leaves you, you have, you remember I said to you once, no, it wasn't you. No, it was somebody else, sorry. It, it was um, uh, how I went through a period and people, I remember saying to my friend, um, Russell, he, I said, people either love me or hate me. What's going on? It was a period that was obviously very intense of dealing with people separating themselves. And it's what's going on at the moment in the world. There's so much alienation and separation in relationships, in families. It's the end times. It doesn't mean the, the end of everything. It means the end of living in chaos. And, and, and being willing to simply say, I wonder what that is that I'm not seeing. It's the world, same with, with everything. I'm not gonna mention some of the main problems that are going on, mm. or <clears throat> they are opportunities. And if those of us who know how, not everybody knows, not everybody understands that it's a game and that it's about, um, projecting the contents, the hidden contents of your unconscious, that you're not integrated yet, onto the scenario around you. Can I ask, because yeah. it feels to me that what you say about just noticing, noticing when you get triggered, noticing when someone, whatever yes. happens, for me, it almost feels like just the awareness of knowing that is the case is enough instead of getting bogged down in that, what, what are the details of that? What exactly yeah. in that person is triggering me? What could it be in me that's all of that? And you can get really stuck in that. For me, it seems like my life changed a lot when I realized through astrology that yeah. it's all me. It's all you, yes. Yeah. So I didn't have to actually get bogged down in too many details about that. I just knew that it's all me. So then it's an automatic sort of withdrawal of projection in a way. Mm. There, exactly. There is one person. There are not millions and billions of people who have apparently died and people are not yet born. There's one. This is my. This is the truth of Advaita Vedanta, but non-dual, non-dual life. But mm. uh, I love it playing it. And most of the times, when when you start to really withdraw projection, 
and are curious about it, life takes on such a different, different, it's just a completely, it's like a complete different story. But yes, you just have to become aware that it's all you. There is no other. That should be emblazoned across the, everybody. No other, yeah. There is no other. That it's brings that brings me to the next point, which maybe would be a good one to end with, because when we do that, when we withdraw the projection, when we overcome problems or whatever it is, but not by overcoming them, by tackling them down to the ground and all of that, but realizing... Um, that we can transcend these issues, whatever it might be, you know, whatever addictions, whatever problems, whatever things. Mm. The sixth house also, funny enough, is one of the best places to put Rahu, <laughs> actually. Yes, I read that. Yes. Right. So in the third and sixth, so they're called Ubachaya houses of yes. improvement. So ultimately actually shows in Indian astrology, the sixth house represents, yes, the six weaknesses of man, they're related to that, but it also represents the Siddhis or the, psychic powers so mm. it's kind of like it shows like our weaknesses but it's also our strengths when we overcome our greatest weaknesses basically so how would rahu relate to all of that because because obviously our conversations about rahu all is this extreme it's either impossible or easy but now relating to it like weaknesses addictions and all of that and then psychic powers it's the union of opposites mm. it's you know Jung used to talk about the union of opposites mm. and that is alchemy. You put, you put what is uh, true and beautiful together with something which appears to be a lack, and the whole thing is collapsed. There was a friend of mine; she, her cat died, and 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 I remember um, knowing I had to ring her up and say the answer when to death is put your attention on the experience of presence sorry put your attention on presence in the midst of the experience of absence so when you're feeling at at your worst moment look for the presence and that's always in the heart you know you know they say the darkest hour is just before the dawn mm. it's it's a little folk saying but it's the truth if you will go to what you really want in the middle of the apparent absence and judgment that that is never going to be yours you're free this is freedom, but you've got to learn to play the game. The ocean is always still beneath the most enormous tsunami. At the bottom, it's, 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 there's a stillness. And you could be in heaven or hell at any moment, according to where you place your attention. And it flips, and it's a knack. It's just starting off, you say, well, I don't feel it, and it seems like rubbish, but if I put my attention where I'm an, an experiment, you will find that it's an all and allowing. Choose what you want, choose the state that you want, and then allow. Unite the opposites, or rather, you can't unite them. You can allow them to, to, to um, produce the power. You put a, a positive wire and a negative wire together, electricity in neutral, <clears throat> in the heart, you put positive and negative together. Bingo, what do you get? Your shakti. You know what? You've done it again. You've done it again, Kishori. I do. You preempted our next talk, but you've seamlessly moved from the sixth house into our next conversation. Hopefully, we can have a conversation about Rahu in the seventh. Yes. It's all about union of the opposites. 
Oh, really? All right. It's all about me and you. It's all about this and that. It's all everything in relation to everything else. But that's perfect, isn't it, to follow on from the six? Because the six, as long as, long as you don't, all the while you don't see it as an opportunity and you stay at one pole, like Rahu says, do not, uh, do not scurry to one pole, my children, as if afraid of the dark. I have no opposite. Open your eyes and see. I have no opposite. And it's a game. It's all a game. That is so powerful. And for people to hear that, especially those really impacted by Rahu, if they're in a cycle of Rahu, a transit is like affecting them in a strong way. Because we, as you say, it can it can feel like that it's that extreme, but there is there is no you know other or whatever. You I, won't I, get there by the mind alone, though. You have to have, explore what is the embodied heart, and you can begin by just breathing, putting your feet on the ground, hand on the middle of the chest, sit quietly and feel it, and it will gradually bring you down. It releases. Uh, some I'd serotonin or what, uh, there's all sorts of scientific explanations, but actually it's a frequency where no problems exist. And when you think about how, because this makes so much sense, and I think it's coming together nicely in terms of when we go into the Rahu in the seventh now and this union of opposites, mm. apparent opposites, and Rahu, in a sense, you could see it as... Um, residing above the crown chakra mm. and that the south node ketu is opposite below the root and mm. of course the midway point between those two points is the heart yes <laughs> you know what i mean so this is exactly from an astrological point of view i remember camilla sudden she said that to me once um i was at some class i think um and she was referring to the only way out is through the heart yes you know so yes it's nice well, to be able to actually because I knew that intellectually when she said that, I understood that, that the only way out is through these two extremes is through the heart. But I'd never had this simple practice of putting your hand on your heart or embodying it as you do. Yes. Yes. It's magic. Once, once you get the hang of playing any game, juggling, for example, once you really get the hang and you know it has to become innate, you can't think it, you can't. You can't say, well, I've done that, but, you know, I've, I've, I've read that, I've understood that. You don't know it. You don't know until it becomes innate. And that's why an archetype is not a human being. An angel can't become, you know, yeah. uh, the stories that we have the movies about angels giving up the being an angel in order to be a human being. And how they say that the greatest, the most precious gift of all is the gift of a human birth because it's that point in the, in the center where the absolute, if you could say the absolute desired anything, its natural state is to express. Love's natural state is to express. It can't, so life will never end. There'll always be some form and different dimensions or whatever, there'll always be life. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you come to that, that point of central balance, the balance, the equilibrium of taking a human birth, and learning, experiencing, not learning, I don't like to use that word, but the experience when it becomes innate. I don't know yet. It's so exciting because I don't know what's going to become, what is becoming of my body. I know potentially, but I haven't tasted everything. So I'm not ready to pack this up. 
wow, what a game. But even the difficult things, the things which we experience, it's only because we've got stuck. The seesaw has stopped and with, a, with one end down. And it, it's got to stop when you're in the absolutely, the pinpoint, the absolute precision, you know, the place mm -hmm. where I think it was Archimedes talked about, give me a place in which to stand and a fulcrum and long enough and I will move the earth. You can move anything, even the greatest addiction and anything we've ever heard about, say, I haven't got the power, but I could, Jesus raising uh, someone from the dead or, um, you know, uh, Yogananda, he asked his guru to, if he could put on a few more pounds because he was, he was carrying more embodied presence if he were a bit fatter. <laughs> and he did it overnight, click, and he, he did it. We can all do these, all these cities, but only from the place of it not being uh, urgent, not being emotionally necessary, not being, I can't be happy unless you've got to practice. So practicing that pinpoint, the absolute precision, that word again, precision, of mm. being imbalanced at the center. And then you can laugh at it all because it's, it does become a game. I promise the worst addiction of all, go to your heart, imagine yourself without it, imagine yourself with all the situation wrapped up in a beautiful golden filigree cloth and put it in your heart, go and do something else. Doesn't matter what. And you will find that the whole tightness around everything eases. So row in the sixth house, it for me is a condensation of all of the potential difficulties with the opportunity of freeing yourself, really liberating, real moksha from the liberation of believing that you are stuck with that. You're not stuck with anything. It's a knack. It's, it's a willingness to let the mind um, allow you, allow you to know, oh, I am sovereign of my life. And I'm here to experience that. Is it ah. <laughs> I, I needed to hear that today, Kishori. Um, I really needed to hear it today because I've been having, I want to go into the boring details of my own struggles recently. It's not boring it, ever. It's somebody else's game. It's fun. I know, but it's just a game. It's just a game. And it's just really uh, such always such a relief. Um, and I always feel like I'm a cork that's bobbing up to the surface every time I speak with you. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a delight to play like this. It really is. Love being able to say how it is. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. I'll catch you again next time. So thank you to Kishori for coming on to the show again and speaking about the sixth house. And I look forward to our conversation about Rahu in the seventh house next time. In the meantime, if you'd like to check out Kishori and what she does, you can join one of her groups online as well. You can go to her website, it's magicmakeover.com. That's magic with a K, M-A-G-I-C-K hyphen makeover.com. My own website here is timelineastrology.com or you can go to patreon.com forward slash timelineastrology to support my work and to go deeper with the astrology. So once again, thank you for joining and listening all the way to the end of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed and until next time. Thank you.